I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Well, 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 it was bound to happen eventually and we are finally here. This isn't an episode of the Gagan Pod. This isn't an episode of the Two Sharp Reds. I think we have to call it Four Sharp Gagan Pods because the two big Optus podcasters have now combined. It's a beautiful thing with myself, Ollie, and you, of course, Mark, or I call you Anna Schwarzer. Dave Weiner and, of course, Bridgie. This is a beautiful occasion for everyone. I'm just going to go around. I'm looking at you all on Zoom like it's the Brady Bunch at the moment. So I'll go one at a time. Dave, starting with you, how are you feeling about um, combining forces in what is really, in the po- podcast world, almost like the Avengers movie in a way? Four Sharp Gagan Pod sounds like something that's a little bit out of it, an asylum. I don't know what the hell the Four, four Sharp Gagan Potters are. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's a great to see you all. It's great to get together. We've been surging on over the last three months or so and, and kicking through it. And now it's a bit surreal, but we've actually got some football to talk about, which I'm struggling to get my head around, but I'm yeah. bloody excited about. And to do that, we're going to do it all together over the next little while. Just a bit disappointed we've been stitched up on the time zone because you guys are sticking true to your two sharp reds and Bridget or I are stuck on our two sharp long blacks, or in my case, very bitter <laughs> So I'm not going to be as bitter as Long Black in the next uh, hour or so, but can't wait to get stuck in with you guys. Good, man. Absolutely love it. So now, I suppose the real test now is I've got no idea how this is going to work. Who's going to speak first between Bridgie and Mark? So I suppose I'm going to leave the floor open to you guys and a little bit like they would do in Roman times. I guess it's just a fight to the end. Whoever speaks first, they they get the floor. So over to both of you. Well, talking of Roman times, I'm going to give first, them all because he's got a bigger nose than me. Just take the Roman, so take it away, big man. <laughs> no, this is great to have you guys on board. Honestly, you know, we, we, you know, we look up to you guys. We, we, we're still new at this. You know, you guys yeah. have been in it for a long, long time. Um, and uh, what we take from you guys, we go, okay, right, let's just not do that now. Yeah, and we move <laughs> forward. Yeah, we have a bit of fun, obviously. And this is all about having a bit of fun, talking about good stuff about football. And obviously, Bridgie, I do a lot of work with you. Mr. Wiener's always in the background loitering, loitering with intent most of the time. And it's great to actually work together and be on a podcast together. Looking forward to it. Swartzy, there's no way you can just loiter in the background when you have an eyebrow like Dave Wiener has made. Hey, you cannot play hide and seek. That's why I thrive, I thrive in the podcast where you can loiter in the background with these eyebrows. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I I you, he, did up early. he did get up early this morning as well to have a shave. Look, he's had a shave and 10 minutes later... It's already a nine o'clock shadow. <laughs> He's looking very fresh. Now, I, I did make a comment to Ollie um, on the Two Sharp Reds about four weeks ago, I think it was, saying, listen, enjoy listening to the show. Let's get together and do something and, and team up. And, you know, it was just a thing I threw out there. So I'm delighted that you and Dave Wiener put your, your heads together, come up with a concept. And now if there's any talk of red wines being related back to me, like Mark Swartz did a f- few months back, 
when I got I up know, in my I don't, head, know, what I talking, I don't know what you're talking about. I am I here to redeem myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be it's going to be a bit of a jungle out there. We're going to be running the gauntlet, no doubt. So, uh, for listeners out there, if you're unfamiliar with one side of the podcast and maybe not the other, or vice versa. We're essentially going to just have a total mashup of the two. So, uh, of course, now we're looking forward to the Premier League. So we're going to use a bit of a, a bit of a measuring stick, a bit of a barometer to try to check where some of the teams are up to, where we left off. Um, but I suppose to, to keep true to the, the two sharp reds format, um, I'll start, Mark, with, with you. What, what wine are you having tonight? Um, just before I go into my wine, right, I just think people need to know this is, this is really serious, Okay. I mean, obviously, you and I do the, uh, you know, the Two Shout Reds podcast every week, and you go on about being an Arsenal fan, how passionate yeah. you are about being an Arsenal fan all the time. And let's be honest, they're pretty average, right? And they haven't yeah. won very much of late, and, and you admit that. Why are you brown-nosing so much? Because Michael Bridges is on this, on this uh, podcast now, and you've got a Leeds United shirt on. What is that? How could it's you be just... an Arsenal fan and wear a Leeds United shirt? It's a mark of respect. Come on. You know, Why did your voice go up like a... a, a <laughs> yeah, but I would not have passed the lie detector test there, would I? <laughs> and? So, like, you know, brown... No, just, it's, it's just a mark of respect. You look at some of the, the fabulous jerseys behind Bridgie there, and, I mean, you've, you've got a, a special feeling towards every single one of them, and I've got a special feeling towards everyone at Optus Sport, and so I think it's important to, to pump each other up. That's all. Can I just ask, Dolly, have yeah. you got... Is that my name and number on the back as well? <laughs> Have a look. Hang on. Oh, totally oh, lost oh, all respect for you, mate. Ian Hart. Wow. Oh, wow. Right, wait till I tell him. That's, that's tragic. Oof. I thought they didn't... I actually thought back in that time when Ian Hart was playing for Leeds United, the shirts weren't fitted. I thought they were really loose. Sporty, our tip man, bless him. He must have had a night because I was I was thin back then. If you don't, if you believe us, and um, hey, we got the baggiest shirts in the world. And I, when you go through the cupboard, and I look and I think, did I really wear that? And you look at pictures, and obviously Hartley's looks a million times too big for what he was. I reckon we would have been a bit more streamlined and faster back in the day. And I, I just look and think, why the hell did we have such big shirts? I don't know. The only person that fit was Mark Verduggen. Yeah, yeah. He maybe asked for it, I reckon, because he's had, obviously had such a big say. I reckon he demanded that I have to have big shirts. That's what I reckon. <laughs> anyway, so I'm, I'm having the Red Orchard. It's a Merlot from Spain. Obviously, Merlot, Pinot Noir, as you all know, if you're regular podcast listeners on Two Shout Reds, one of my favourites. Bright, youthful colour with succulent raspberries and red plums on the nose. And obviously, it's beautiful. fitting, isn't it? Two people with two big noses on this uh, podcast. Bridgie, this is also Swanty, for you as can well. you just hold it up to the camera, please, so I can have a little sniff? <laughs> there we go, Matt. I'll just open it up for you. There we go. Have a sniff. Oh, wow. sound of warmer, lad. Very nice. <laughs> good, isn't it? Very good. Now, I've gone for the... Now, I, I'm going to struggle with the pronunciation, and you, normally I get Mark to do this, but Bridgie, I'll get you to help me out with this one. Is it the Valpicella? Did I say that right? Well, yeah, very, very, a lot better than before when we started. <laughs> That's why you're going to do rehearsals, guys. That's the important thing. I've learnt that. I've learnt one thing in the podcasting world. It's always good to do a rehearsal on the name check. So we'll, we'll have halftime drinks and we'll, we'll come back to the wine then and, of course, your coffees to see how the, the pot's going over there, if it's uh, getting cold or not. But let's get stuck into the footy. We'll start uh, with you, Mark, and I'd love to, to know your, your thoughts on this, Bridgie. But particularly, Mark, living in, in England, we heard um, that rumours from the government that they wanted to try and push the Premier League back earlier to boost the morale of the country. Do you, have you noticed being on the ground, and then, and Bridgie, from your perspective, 
you know, obviously on different time zones, that the, the morale boost, you know, it's a genuine thing for this country. I think it is. And I think that uh, I, I can understand why the government would want sporting events to, to you know, to, to start up as quickly as possible. We know that like horse racing is already back up and running. So the, the, there's already a, an automatic sort of extra spring in people's step that the fact that we're getting to some sort of normality again and football is that next step. Obviously, we know that fans are not going to be in the stadium. However, I think people are genuinely excited. It's their team. We're watching across in Germany and people are a bit like, well, there's no fans and I can't get my head around it. Football is good, but I can't watch it. Wait until your team starts playing. When your team starts playing, yeah. you won't care if there's anyone in the stadium or not. You want to watch your team play. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, with the... The lucky side about over here in Australia, you've seen horse racing has just come back. We've had that right the way through um, the COVID experience in Australia. And really, I'm not a big horse racing fan unless I'm actually going to races. But I've been every Saturday sitting there looking for something to do, go out with the kids early morning and I'm, I'm watching the race. And I'm thinking if it hadn't been for the race and what bit of sport would I have had to keep us entertained? Uh, the other other codes have come back over here, but just to know that the Premier League in football, like the Bundesliga, the K League, is back. It's just it, it's given me a massive relief. So for the Eng, English um, football and fans, my mates that are in isolation, like you guys, Swartzy, that have been over there and experienced it, you've got much more restrictions than we have. They are just absolutely desperate to see their teams play again. And I'm the same as Swartzy. If you're watching it on TV. Um, you know they've, they've gone back to giving it to the free view I think four or five games to the old match of the day the BBC which is a first time in God knows how long just so that they can spread the word of how much football is back and how much people want to view it and get involved and I still think you can replicate an atmosphere in the stadium as we've seen in the K-League and the Bundesliga by pumping the atmosphere through um, which you come across well on television so that, that's going to be but like Sports says just for people to watch football again is magnificent I don't know about you, Bridgie, but like listening, uh, watching the, I mean, it's difficult, I suppose, the language is an issue. So like when I'm watching the Bundesliga and I'm doing some work on it, commentating and so forth, what I love about it, actually, I don't mind that there's no fans in the stadium. What I actually really enjoy is I can hear everything. The microphones are there. You hear the coaches going crazy. You hear the instructions that are going on on the pitch. You're hearing players' discussions that you don't normally hear. So I think for, for anyone that can obviously understand it, it's a great thing. When the Premier League starts up, people are going to be even more under the spotlight. You're going to hear everything. You're going to hear whether it's Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp. I mean, we see their actions on the side, their antics on the sidelines, but now we're actually going to hear it. And they're going to have to toe the line a little bit better, but also you're going to see that, you're going to see that raw emotion as you're going to see with players and you're going to hear it now. And that's, I think I'm excited about that as well. So what do you think? Is that going to be, is that going to be the, the, the most interesting change that we see? We've learned a bit from the Bundesliga and we've both spoken about it in both the podcasts. And we know there's going to be a few little rule changes, like the five subs per team as well, which is go, it's going to have a play. Whether or not you think it's going to make it more intense because of the fresh players or it's going to relieve the players, it's going to have a difference. What are you expecting? We'll start with you, Bridget, to see when the Premier League comes back. First and foremost, in a competition that's been out of action for over 100 days and it's, right, we're in the next match week and there's nine rounds to play. Go. David, it's going to be interesting to see where the Premier League goes and takes off with them first few matches because we watched the K-League when it came on Optus Sport. The first few matches, I'm thinking, oh my word, this is like a, a training ground exercise, the first game of pre-season. They hadn't had any match-related you know, experience to get the players' levels up. 
And then I look at the Bundesliga when that returns, and I'm going, hang on a minute, have the players actually had a break here? Mm. Some of the team, Bayern Munich and Dortmund were looking unbelievably fit. They they still had the same team dynamics. They, you know, they're high pressing team. They when they get it, they'll counter attack and. They, they didn't go away from that. Now, I don't know how they've kept their levels of fitness. Some of the teams, Swartzy might disagree with me, have looked underdone and they're the teams that are in that mid-table bracket that haven't really bounced back. But the teams that have been at the top that have got the biggest budgets have been flying. So I'm hoping that that's the same impact we're going to see from the Premier League because everybody's chomping at the bits and they want to get back. And I think the five sub-rule is upsetting some managers at this moment because they've got their teams will rely on fitness to run teams in the ground. They're not going to have that. But what we've seen in the Bundesliga has been a lot of injuries because the the high intensity levels. So I think it's a player welfare issue that's been taken into consideration. And I think that's good for the game. Yeah, I mean, the problem was uh, first weekend was there was a huge increase in injuries from players. And that's understandable. The advantage that the Premier League is going to have over the Bundesliga is that the Premier League teams have been able to have behind closed door friendlies. So they're actually going to be having match, they're going to be playing matches, trying to get some match sort of fitness under their belts. Um, obviously, it's all about replicating a, a match day, the environment, but they're going to have to get used to it because there's not going to be any fans. It's exactly the same. Um, and, and what we've seen with the Bundesliga, I, 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 I said this as well right at the beginning. I think the biggest difference is going to be now. Home advantage is not going to play, play a big part. And what you, you what, think, Swartzy? Because I, I disagree. I think Sheffield United are going to miss out on their tight stadium and their fans. Not all the teams will, but Sheffield United, I think, will because it. No, I'm saying I'm, what I'm saying is home advantage is no longer an advantage. It doesn't play, take come into play anymore. Yeah. So that we've seen that already. So what's going to happen is the better teams, the better squad of players, the bigger, the larger squad of players are going to come out on top. Yeah. We're seeing it in Germany. We're, 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 it's going to be the same in the Premier League, in my opinion. The bigger squads, the better teams are going to come out on top. Home advantage is zero now, almost. Maybe not zero, but close to being zero. And, and that's going to be a big challenge for, for all these teams. And I, when I look at the, the table, when I look at the Premier League, I look at the teams that potentially could go up, uh, sorry, be relegated, could finish in Champions League positions, I'm really just looking at who are they playing against, who are their big team opponents, more so than ever before. Because before, when, like you said, Sheffield and I playing at home, the momentum, the, the fans, that energy, that got them through a lot of games. And they won games against big teams. That is not an advantage anymore. Yeah. Quick one on that. What have you noticed in Germany where, when I'm looking at the table in England, and you've got your Burnleys and your Palaces, and even to a certain extent Newcastle, although they're probably playing for their professional futures, they're really the quintessential mid-table right now. And in the past, you might do it because you've still got the game day experience and whatnot. Do you think that's going to play an even bigger role in those equations, be it the top four, be it the relegation? Because those teams, they're human. How much can you play for? What is it like as a professional when it is an empty stadium and you are safe? You can't go anywhere. Well, the the interesting thing is working out how many teams in the Premier League are actually physically safe from relegation. There's still quite a number of teams that could get sucked in there. The good example in the the Bundesliga is uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. They are in real relegation, a real relegation battle. They have dropped like a lead balloon, um, and they've they've got a good squad of players. They finished in the in the, the Europa League semi-final last year. Uh, they they finished what is it seventh in the league. They had a really, they had a good season. Expected the same. They are having one. They're, they're having a disaster. They lost their first Europa League game at home three nil. That was with fans. They're going to struggle away from home. They're going to they're going to be out of that competition. Their form is horrendous. 
So we're going to have that in the Premier League as well. I, I think there are going to be mid-table teams that are going to get sucked into it because of that very much alone. They find it really difficult to get going. Some teams are going to find it so hard to play in those stadiums and not have the motivation to really live up to those expectations, to play to the levels they need to, to get up three points against, particularly against the better teams. It was funny, you know, I'll never forget the, the, when they saw the teams, there was a competition called the Intertoto Cup or the Fairs Cup and things. And what that would mean, if your clubs wanted to try and get a backdoor into Europe, they would come back nearly a month earlier than everybody else. So your season would stop, you'd have a week off, and then them players would be back in. And it was funny, you know, back then we didn't have the WhatsApp and things, but you'd always speak to the odd player on the phone and they'd say, oh, we haven't got three weeks off or four weeks off. We're back, we're straight back in. We're playing in the Intertoto Cup. And they used to hate it. The body language was a disgrace, that you know. So the difference between this, covered has taken away the love of the game for, for long, so long. I'm thinking everybody is going to want to get back, Dave. So I'm hoping that the attitude of the players, if you've got the right DNA and you're made up, I know they're all not the same, but that is what everybody's wanting to get back to football. And it was very interesting listening to Lee Boyer's, um, my ex-colleague, doing a, a radio interview recently, a couple of days ago, talking about the problems he's had at Charlton Athletic, how he had to release, want to release so many players before the window, and now he's had to go back and renegotiate contracts. And three of the players have just turned around and said, you know, I'm not playing for you. Mm. We've got our futures, we don't want to get injured. So the, that's the difference in management at the moment. To get Some of the players still don't want to come back, even after the situation that we've been in. It's, it's quite strange. Reggie, I'll throw a couple, of, a bit of a double-headed one at you, because I'd love to get your thoughts on Lyle Taylor. And if you're un- unfamiliar with, with the championship football side of things, Lyle Taylor, you know, has almost been on that cusp of really breaking into a, at least a Premier League squad, you know, very, very minimum at some stage. And he's been great for Charlton. And, and he was one of those players that you mentioned there that, that feels like he's got a, a life-changing move um, yeah. coming in in the summer. And, and that's why he doesn't want to play. So I'd love to get your thoughts on from his perspective, if he's making the right call. But then also one thing, um, just, just as we wrap up the chat on the Bundesliga, one thing that Mark and I were talking about a couple of weeks ago was the fact that the Bundesliga is an interesting one considering that they've got a winter break. So they're kind of used to being able to have a, a stop and then get things back up and running. When we look at people and managers like Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp, do you think we're going to see another side to them as managers and as leader of people being able to show almost a different side that we're not used to. I mean, they're great squads, you know, there's no taking away from that, but it'll be really interesting to see if they're able to, to show a different side as to how genuinely how smart they are in controlling not only the mentality, but the, the physique and, and health and well-being of their players. Yeah. Well, the, the first one, obviously going back to Charlton Striker, he's, he obviously has got a big move. You get touted up, his agents would not understand that. And he's, you know, he's, he's made that decision. And that's what his values are. I really feel for him because he's come out and been honest and he said to the manager, you know, this is, I don't want to play because I don't want to jeopardise a move to get to get the, to the club or the clubs that are interested. So if his values are family and football, then he's being honest and nobody can can hold him accountable for that because that, that's what he believes. And he's, he's doing it for the reasons that he's waited so long to, to get a big move like this. It's, if he turns it down and he plays and he gets injured, this is why I, it, the history that I've had, Ollie and Swarty and, and Dave, was riddled with injuries. It was ups and downs. And I started changing my, my mindset after injuries and I started looking, thinking, do you know what it is? I'd rather have security because I don't want to run the risk of going into my last six months of my contract and becoming a free agent and a Bosman player. Because the last four years, I've 
had my injuries, I've bounced back, I've had an injury, I've bounced back. I didn't want to run the risk and run the gauntlet. So I was always the player that changed the mindset and became a player that wanted security. So if there's a contract there, I would take it. At the end of the day, this lad has got a, a massive lifeline for him and his family There's a and his footballing career. So he's going to run the gauntlet and take the risk. And I don't think anybody can shouldn't be judging or having a go at him because that is that he's come out and said it. And we should be allowed to get on with the, what he believes in. Because them opportunities don't come around. Just a quick one on that. So June 23 um, is when players have to get signed contract renegotiations to stay on for this extra part of the season, which was obviously no one had fathomed that was coming up. So someone in that situation is sitting there thinking, if I sign that, I have to play. I risk the move that I would make in what would ordinarily be the transfer window now. Correct. As opposed to, you know what, they've moved the transfer window. I know I'm going to get a move. It might be only in August. I mentally can't go out there each week and perform knowing that my heart's not here now. I've signed it, but I want to sign somewhere else and I can in August. So that's just to clarify those dates. Yeah, and the, the, the fans are the managers that has to cope with that right now. The fans have got to, the fans will be annoyed because their club's in a relegation battle. Lee Boy is the manager and the coaching staff are going to lose a dynamic player who was invaluable to them in having a crack to, to have a go to keep them in that division after what they did last year. So that, that's really going to affect and, and tarnish everything that he has done there. But again, if, if that was one of them fans and that was their son, and their son's got a decision and a big move to go to the Premier League when he was playing Division Two, uh, one football, and then you're back in the Championship. He's got an opportunity to leapfrog and go there. There's no chance any parent will be holding their son back and saying you, you've got to play this out when you know that's gone. So, I mean, my, my dad would have loved to have stopped me playing for Sunderland, but he didn't have the opportunity. He tried, <laughs> but he didn't because he was a Newcastle fan. I, he said, "I can't stop you going for your dream, son, as much as I do want you to play for the enemy." So, you know, that's that's the way I look. And on the on the Bundesliga chat, I just think that Man City and Liverpool are in a fantastic place having two managers that know how the Bundesliga break works, knowing what they can do away from when they have the breaks, what the players have got to do to keep the levels up. And, if, you know, if a Liverpool fan, if anybody thinks they're not going to win the league, they're, they're absolutely mad. And I just think they're, they're probably best suited in Man City, obviously, as well, having the managers that understand that. And that's good for the Premier League. So, And I'm, I'm sure that some of the managers would have shared ideas with other managers as well, just to... if. If you don't know what you where you've been in the situation before with COVID and the, the breaks, then they, they share ideas. They don't give away too much, but they share ideas and have a bit of um, collaboration to come up with ideas, no doubt. Well, boys, the strangest part about a preview in June is it's been some 100 days since we actually played. And I don't as much football as we've watched, I sat there trying to prepare for this period and I was like, where were we when we finished? And I joked with the boys last week that we had to pick our uh, favourite moments of the season so far. And the guys were going, when we do some research, what's been the best goal you've seen this year? And I was like, uh, well, I've watched Drogba classic goals. I've watched Cantona. I've watched Giggs. I've watched... I don't <laughs> what's happened this year? So we're just going to do a bit of a speed through for the punters listening to remind us all about where we were. And this is going to segue into where we're going to go. So I'll kick off with you, Schwartzy, and we'll run through these one by one. Ollie and I will jump in and throw them at you. But so far, Mark, your player of the season so far, which was about 150 days ago. I know, it's a tough one. Uh, how long gonna, it been? About 100 days, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one. And, and I'm going to be biased, but I think he's had an unbelievable season. And he's a big reason why his team are doing so well against all the odds. And it's uh, it's Dean Henderson at uh, Sheffield United. I think he's been 
he's been excellent. Player of the season, excellent? Yeah, I think he's up there. Listen, I mean, again, it was one of those ones. Okay, think back, like you said, 100 days ago, who, who for you has, has really stood out for the entire season? I mean, you know, you, you go to most Liverpool players and go, they're, they're a shout. You know, most Liverpool players are a shout for player of the season. Um, you know, I look at Alisson and go, has Alisson played as well as Henderson? No, I don't think he has. But he's been good. Don't get me wrong. He's been <laughs> as many good. games neither, has he? No, he hasn't. he's had an injury stop-start season. Um, you know, in terms of goalkeepers, I, I think he's definitely been the best goalkeeper this season. Um, and I think he's definitely up there with being, you know, it's, it's, it's a player that I, that's just come, the first player that came to my mind when I thought of it um, was Dean Henderson, how, how well he's played. How he's only 22 years old, the responsibilities on his shoulders, how he's taken it. He made a massive mistake against Liverpool and he picked himself up and went on this incredible run. And let, listen, Sheffield United, let's not forget, right? Sheffield United are in seventh spot. If they win their game in hand, they're fifth. I mean, their game in hand will take into 29 games. After 29 games in the season, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, well, it's not quite like Leicester winning the, winning the Premier League, but it's, it's, it's getting towards that end. You know, you just kind of go, how is that even possible? Richie, manager of the year so far, who are you thinking? Is it as cut and dry and obvious as we think, or is there a, a sneaky couple of managers that might be in the question? Well, it's there's only there was only two that really stood out for me, and one of the one of the guys has run away with the league. It's Klopp. What he has done is magnificent. And I just love when managers or when teams go and they've set themselves the targets and the goals. And they, you know, every year we used to try at Leeds United. Can we try and replicate and do better than last season? And Liverpool have done that under Klopp. And this season they've just been absolutely mind blowing to watch. I've loved it. But sports, you just mentioned them as well. Sheffield United with Wilder. A man that has come from the championship with the tactics that is adapted when you've got overlapping centre-backs, please do me a favour. When, when was that ever invented? Do you know what I mean? But they've stuck, he's stuck to what got them into the Premier League and it's worked and there's been a lot of teams haven't been able to work them out and we've talked about the home advantage going. That's going to be a massive thing. But what Wilder's done there... I, so I'm, I'm putting them two on the scales and I, I see Liverpool, yes, they're going to get the title and then I'm seeing Wilder. I don't know where the balance is. So I'm, I've, I'd, I'm going to go for the underdog and say Wilder because of what they've actually achieved in the Premier League and the tactics he has shown because it takes a lot of balls to back yourself in the Premier League and keep going because I've seen people like Karanka at Middlesbrough came up with a style of play and then completely change it when they started hitting the panic button. He didn't believe that it was going to keep them in the Premier League. And Wilder has, he stuck by his values. Uh, yeah, I, had, I had both of those play, people written down as well. Jürgen Klopp, Chris Wilder. I mean, I, for me, it has to be Jürgen Klopp. They're going to win the league, first time in 30 years. Um, backed it up from last season. Insane season. They should have won the league, but Manchester City were, just some, were, were that little bit better um, in an in a, in a extraordinary season. But they win the Champions League. This season, the Champions League was a minor, a minor sort of hiccup in terms of Liverpool's history with it. But the, it's all about the league. It's about winning that title. And let's be honest, that is the biggest trophy, isn't it? Winning the Premier League title is the biggest trophy. I was laughing with Dave last week when we were having a chat. And I was saying what I would love to see is Sheffield United get into the Champions League and see the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid coming to play at Bramall Lane. And they would just think, what the hell is this all about? You know what I mean? Let's get in. It would be just a. It would just be a moment to to enjoy to see the face of the players coming out, thinking, "Wow, 
Yeah. And I think Sheffield United would have a good crack in there. And while they would probably be able to teach a lot of the managers around Europe and go, you know, you, you talk about us, you know, the English having the four four two. Well, watch us, watch us go with this system here. Yeah. Yeah. They do have a tricky little run. Wolves, Chelsea, United and Liverpool all feature in their final few games. But if they are good enough, oh, which they've shown to be so far... Don't like, risk the bubble, Dave, for God's sake. Let them yeah, yeah. That comes afterwards. Come on, Dave. Don't be like that. What's in his coffee? That's what I want to know. I've already sunk oh. it. I've already sunk it. I'm ready for the next one. Um, Schwartz, your moment of the season so far? My moment of the season... And again, it goes along the same line. It's Liverpool, isn't it? It's all about Liverpool. So the moment of the season is, it's, it's, two, it's, it's broken into two. Liverpool going almost entire season undefeated. And then the moment, I suppose, is that their run and then losing against Watford of all teams. You know, like you just kind of go, just kind of doesn't really make sense of how good they were. And they lose against Watford, who have been struggling all season. We know Watford have got ability. They've got some talented players. Liverpool just had an off day. Um, but they go kind of hand in hand. Liverpool's performance and then the loss away to, 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 to Watford. Mr. Wiener, I'm, I know you might, you might not have wanted to ask me what my moment this season was. But I I always, I, hang on. I always want to ask you, Bridgie. I've done that for the last 40 weeks. Even if... I know, but... I've, I had to put it in there and there's only one moment I'm going to upset Ollie here the one moment that stood out for me we've seen some amazing moments but when I saw Son pick the ball up against Burnley in his own half and just run the whole length of the field um, that, that moment for me being a Spurs fan I was just looking thinking do you know what it is what a, well, that, was, that was a moment so predictable so predictable well it had to be sorry had to be Son all day long yeah. well actually the only, the only thing that wasn't predictable was it wasn't Harry Kane that's the only difference I mean otherwise it's Harry, Harry, Harry Kane. Okay. He's back. He's back. That's where Spurs are benefited, see? Yeah. I mean, Spurs, I mean, you talk about who has benefited from, you know, the break and who hasn't. Um, and, and, and Spurs, Manchester United, there's a couple of teams that have really, really benefited from this break. You've just killed my run sheet now. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> now, Mark, just before I ask Bridgie another question, do you feel comfortable with me asking him questions? Do you feel like I'm slightly cheating on you? Or you, how do we, I just want to, it, it is I just a, want to it make sure we're feeling, un, you know, we're feeling comfortable halfway through and then we've discovered boundaries, things like that. I, 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 remarkably, I am actually feeling a little bit jealous. I didn't think I would, yeah. but I'm feeling a little bit jealous. And every time you speak, I want to say something. And then Bridgie yeah. jumps in and I'm just like, damn, I thought he was talking yeah. to me. Well, as long as it's out in the open now, so it's a, it's a good chance to just, just remember that I love you, okay? So we're all good. Having said <laughs> that, that, means a lot, mate. that means a lot. Uh, on, Dave, Dave we're, going to the, we're going to the old Darth Vader side, so let's see what he's going to say. Now, this, this is a bit of a, a negative question, a little bit. I think this might be a, a Dave Wiener question here for you, Bridgie, but the most disappointing, I guess we could, let's, let's tailor it, disappointing moment or most disappointing team, you know, is, is there one team going into this season? I feel like there's always one side where you go, geez, I'm expecting big things. You know, even down to an Aston Villa who spent north of 100 million and you go, Cobb, we, we want to see some things and then it's really disappointing. Has there been a standout moment like that for you? Well, Villa was one of the one of the teams looking at that. Yeah, the money they spent, but we've seen that that happened with Fulham when they had a right good go spending all that money. Uh, Watford, I was being really disappointed with Watford this season until um, Pearson came in because of what we'd seen them. They were such a physical team. They um, set players. They had players that could change a game like Delafour. So they've been very disappointed. But when I look at it, 
and I look at the title challenge from Man City, it, it was the only team that I thought, you know, is they they for me? They set the standard against Norwich when they got beat early on, three two. And I just think Man City have really been the biggest disappointment for me. And the other side of that, the other disappointing thing this season has been my fantasy league team because it has been absolutely honking. Sure. And I've, I, I was just pleased that I can use my wild card getting back to the start of the um, after COVID. So, yeah, the biggest disappointment is for me team-wise Man City without a shadow of a doubt because I just feel they were there's too many games where they've slipped up points, which is not like them, and they I think a lot of teams have worked out how to try and nullify them. It's not too many times you can have a team in second place and say that they've had a disappointing season. But look at the look at the points gap. Look at the difference in the points for compared to last year. It's yeah. they've fallen. If if you look at that as a when you're looking back and thinking where where do we go? This is our targets for this year. They have not hit any of their targets this season. I would say uh, they're still they're still in the Champions League, right? And they're second. Well, honestly. They are, they? They are, they, yeah, but they are. Well, well, yeah, I know. No, but I'm saying they're still in the Champions League competition right now. So yeah. they're not going to be knocked out of that. So they may not qualify for the Champions League next year because of, uh, because of maybe the decision by UEFA if that carries on. However, uh, yes, but Liverpool have been so good. So Liverpool have made everyone else look average because of how good they have been. Um, Man City, yes, they have been disappointing by comparison to what they were used to. But for me, the team that, the team that again, really, really just completely falls flat on their face again is West Ham for me. I mean, the amount of money they spent, um, Sebastian Haller, I, I just thought he'd be so much better than what he's been. Mind you, he has had a lot of injury issues. Um, Philippe Anderson, just disappointing. And probably the, and I, and I don't like criticising players, and I don't want to turn out to be one of those people that just hammers someone, right? But, I don't think I've got any other option. Roberto. I mean, I, I don't think I've seen a, I've, I've, I've like a number of performances in a row any worse than Roberto did for West Ham in goal when Fabianski was, was, uh, was injured. Yeah. I mean, Bad, wasn't it? I mean, really, really poor. Manuel Pellegrini, I mean, that was his buy. He brought him in from Spain. And I'm not saying Roberto is a bad goalkeeper. He's just had a horrid time. Um, it doesn't look good. And he has to do a lot to, to convince me otherwise. Um, but I can't imagine he's that bad, but he's been, he has been terrible. So West Ham for me. West Ham have got a massive problem off the field, Sorty. I don't know what, what it is. The, the fan, whole lot. fan base has been in that new stadium. It hasn't, they haven't embraced it. It hasn't worked. The striker that you just talked about in Halle, uh, when he was at Frankfurt, was unbelievable. He talked about yep. Chikorito that was there previously. He couldn't set this. He couldn't get it going. You've had players that have gone there just have Jack Wilshere. Jack yeah. Wilshere. There's something, there's something wrong. And, I, I, you know, we, we don't get to see the inner sanctum of what's going on. But there's a, there's a bigger problem than what, is, what we see on the field. At that I mean, part, part, of the, part of the reason, obviously, it's like anything. Fans are, fans are not happy when the team is not performing on the pitch. You know, that was sold the story. You go to the new stadium. It's going to be such a good financial deal for us. We're going to be able to invest heavily in the team. We're going to start competing at the top end of the table, you know, European places. And so they're thinking, right, investing in the team, investing in the team, and what are they getting? They're getting year after year since they've been there, poor teams, poor performances. I'd want to keep it because I'd be wanting a refund. Well, in a lot of ways. The fans are, getting, the fans are going to games. They're passionate. They've, they just want West Ham to go to that next level. They've been promised that. That's what they were told. They were sold the story, leave the bowling ground, which yeah. they didn't want to do, and go to this. I mean, I, listen, I, I, I think the stadium's a great stadium. 
Yes, it is a little bit further away from the pitch. But it, it's, I mean, if you think about the deal, it's, it's an incredible opportunity for them to go there. And they just haven't maximized it. The fans are there. The fans haven't, they, they've, I, I think they've kind of taken to the pitch, the stadium, sorry. It's just that the team's performances have been so poor. Yeah. It's, it, it just, it's just basically, it's all added up. It's all, you know, it's piled on top of each other and it's culminated. And that's why they, it's, the whole lot is snowballed. Is it bigger than the, is it the team on the park? Is it the team off the park? Is it, you know, I've gone through managers, they went Moyes and they left and they came back to Moyes. Can you put your finger on it? If, the, if it doesn't work for them this year, what is the big crack? Or is it the sum of the parts they, as well? Like, Moyes is going to get the blame, but arguably, should he? They do not know what they stand for as a football club. So, I'm saying, if you bring in, if you go through and have a turnover of managers, yeah, the players have got to try and learn and understand how that manager wants to play in a short period of time. Get there. They're trying to change that culture in there, right? So what I, what I love, if you if you get a chance to listen to the Brighton um, CEO that came in or the, I think he was the football director. I can't think of his name. It, it misses. He did a fantastic interview that I witnessed and they brought in a manager that was going to fit the club's DNA, what they believe in. They weren't going to let a manager come in. It's like the Barcelona philosophy. Brighton have adapted that kind of um, vision. Well, I don't think West Ham have got any idea where they want to go or what, they, what they're all about. It's just wanting a quick fix and a quick... T- and how many times does that happen before, you, before you're going to hit the drop? We experienced it at Leeds United. We went through manager after manager after manager and we were rotten to the core financially off the pot. It was only going to go one way. You see it happen time and time again. And... Um, I just think that they do not understand from the board level and down. They, are, they, they don't know what they stand for. How many teams in the I'd Premier say, League at the moment? Sorry, sorry Shorty. The only thing I'd say is that be careful who you compare because Brighton... Are in a lot I of have, I have Brighton as, a, as, a, as, a, as seriously serious contenders of being relegated. No. You look at their fixtures, right? And, and, and this is where what's killed Brighton. This, this whole COVID pandemic has killed Brighton because they've got no home fans, right? Like everyone else. Their home games are like Spurs, Chelsea, Man, Man United, um, and sorry, hang on, like Man United, Arsenal, Liverpool, and Man City are all at home. Yeah. And their games that Brighton, with a full stadium at home, have a chance. What I'm saying is, oh, sports, they, them? they no. understand and know what they are as a club. They've got things in place. I don't think West Ham have got anything in, in place like that. I, and I was no, disappointed with. I was disappointed. I look back at Newcastle United when they had the Keegan era. Right, that was probably the best times that Newcastle fans have ever experienced. But there was a thing that Kevin Keegan did off the field when he got rid of the whole youth system and the reserves, and it put Newcastle back six or seven years because he was allowed as a coach to come in and say, you know what, it is I can buy the best players. We don't need a youth system. We don't need a reserve team because I can buy the best. When Keegan went and the money went, Newcastle had to go back to the bottom divisions and work their way back up. And the, the, the youth policy up there in that region was invaluable. There was a lot of great players who missed out. The club, the club allowed that to happen. What I'm saying is Brighton and some teams that are in great, they've got this vision and philosophy. I just don't think West Ham have got that. And I think that no, can... No, I, I agree with you. I, no, I agree with you. You're right. All I'm just saying is, is that you know, even though Brighton may have the vision, the philosophy, I think they're in big, big trouble. Yeah. But you're right. And, but it'll, it'll, it'll still put them in a far better position that if the worst does happen and they do get relegated, they should be able to keep hold of everyone because of the way that they've financially worked it out, they've structured it. And 
they, they're adapted or they're equipped, hopefully, to come straight back up because they've got a plan. They've got a strategy. They have a system. They have an identity. West Ham would be uh, a free-for-all there's, if there's, they get really good. There's two groups of people that love West Ham. One is the fans and the other one are agents. They swarm like vultures around West Ham because they know they're going to get fed. Ollie, I'm feeling a bit thirsty, but before we do that, while the boys are on a roll, should we find out who's going to join their clubs that they picked to go down while we're on a roll and they're, and they're condemning uh, all these clubs to the drop? Um, before we get to the, the more pleasant drop, let, let's find out who is going down while, while we're there. Oh, very good, Dave. I really like that. Yeah. I really like that. <laughs> so it doesn't sound good for uh, Aston Villa... West Ham and Brighton, but in different spades from the two of you. So, so Bridgie, you've mentioned your wife for Villa. Who joins them? I mean, Norwich, ugh, I'm sorry. I mean, it's not looking good, but who, joined, who joins them going down? I'm going to go for Norwich, obviously. And the sad one that I don't want to say is Bournemouth. And I just feel that Eddie Howe, is, you know, what, what they've done there has been incredible. I don't think they've been able to, to replicate or get anywhere near the standards that they've that they've tried to ensure that they can do. I still like watching them, however, their style of play um, under Eddie, but I just think they're in free fall, mate. So I think Norwich, Villa and Bournemouth. And by the way, Bournemouth play four of the top six in their final nine games. So that is not a good sign for them as well. What about you, Schwarzy? You know, the thing is they've all got, they've all got that mix of really, really tough teams to play between now and the season. I mean, you know, I I, I, did, I looked at all the games remaining from all the teams from... Actually, I didn't include Norwich because I've actually written them off like you just did there as well, uh, Dave. So I don't feel so bad now. But Villa, Bournemouth, Watford, West Ham and Brighton. And, and, and it's a bit of a toss-up, really, it is. And I think Bournemouth are definitely behind the eight ball because they still... They haven't actually benefited from this break. They've still got a lot, a lot of players that injured. They haven't got a big squad as it is. Yeah. Um, they're in free fall. I, I can see them going down as well. I, I have to agree with Bridgie. Now, the big question is there, does Villa, Watford, West Ham, Brighton, you know what, out of all those teams, um, I still think Villa has, has the weakest squad and they've done a Fulham. You know, they've bought play. Actually, Fulham, Fulham on paper probably bought, on paper, better name players and better players on paper. Didn't turn out to be that way. What they couldn't do is form a team. They couldn't form any kind of connection. Um, whereas, whereas Villa, they've just bought, I think, they've just bought just average players. They haven't bought enough quality. Um, and you kind of look at it and you go, they've spent £120 million on players. And I just don't really know where most of that went. I so, to, I, Sorry? I was just about to say that when you, they've gone for quantity over quality. Yes, and, and, and that's one of the things. Fulham did the same thing. You know, they bought what is 11 players or 12 players. It was ridiculous. First game of the season, they had seven players making their debut at a home game against Crystal Palace, which I was at last, last year. And it was ridiculous, the year before the season, the last season. And it was ridiculous. Villa, yeah, I, I see Villa going down. Norwich is obviously, like I said, is, is already a goner. Um, and I think, yeah, Bournemouth. I think, I think it's going to actually stay as it is. I, I just flipped a coin with Bournemouth and Brighton, to be fair, because they've both got horrendous run-ins, but I just thought, you know what it is? I'm going to stick with the Aussie boys, and I'm going to stick because of the question that I just answered before, seeing that they've got a lot more in there. Yeah, no, listen, of course, I hope Brighton stay up, absolutely. For Matty, for, for Aaron, you know, and for, the, for the Socceroos, we want, we want players playing at the highest level. 
mind you saying that, you know, I, I think if, if Brighton did were to go down, I wouldn't be surprised if Maddie was to move on and go to, to even bigger and better things. Um, Aaron, quite possibly as well, because I think, you know, Aaron. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Particularly in the second half, well, leading into this second half of the season, I thought Aaron started to find his feet and started to do really, really well. Um, but you know, it, it's it's. I hope they do stay up, but they're all got really, really tough games to play. Halftime drinks here on the Four Sharp Gagan Pods. I mean, that rolled off the tongue weirdly nicely, actually. Um, um, Shorty, I'll start with you. How's your how's your wine? Are you enjoying it? Is it up your strasser or is it a little bit left of centre? No, no, it's very good. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's actually flowing down. It's flowing really nicely. Um, it's, it's one of those wines that I'll just give you the, the last bit of description. It says delicious with pizza, red meat, pasta dishes, Asian and spicy cuisine. It kind of all just ticks the box. It's every, every one of those things I'm looking at going, yeah, actually, I could have a bit of all of that right now. Well, it's a pretty eclectic menu. I mean, they've technically just said this will go with pretty much food, is I suppose the <laughs> answer there. Very small appetizing. Yeah, exactly. It it's a really easy drink. Um, you know, it's bright, it's youthful. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like a teenager again. It's brilliant. No worries. Like no too, no right? concerns. Absolutely. <laughs> now, here on um, the halftime drinks, traditionally, is it just a chance to, you know, I normally like to introduce it if Mark gets a little bit overwhelmed, you know, if he finds himself in a rabbit hole, um, you know, talking about Alfonso Davies too much, and I just need to go, wait, oh, come on, mate, you know, we need, to, we need a chance to calm down. Hey, hey, leave him alone, leave him alone. Listen, he <laughs> is brilliant. And I actually, I've got a bit of crush on Thomas Muller as well, because he is unbelievable. Really? Oh, he's well, he's got to go back in the German side. He's been insane. He's both of them had a both of them let themselves go in the uh, in the COVID break. I tell you, they look terrible. Oh, gosh, yeah, absolutely <laughs> terrible. But uh, during this halftime, um, for for what is a, a really special occasion for for the Optus Avengers in the podcast realm, um, this is something I've wanted to bring up with you for a while now, Bridgie. Uh, I don't know the correct form to to you know to bring this up, but I think it's probably best now now more than ever, especially because we're via Zoom, and then if we're all all goes wrong, I can just quit or you can quit the, the Zoom call. So it's all good. Um, why haven't you followed me back on social media? <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Wow. Because Bridget, what, what is got, funny... By the, way, by the way, it's not like he can claim he didn't see it because he lives on it, right? He sees everything that happens. He has And, and interacts, which is the, the more controversial part. You know, really? if he missed yeah. it, then fair enough. But I mean, you can't wow. be liking and commenting. Absolutely, got us. I've just had a nice little torn of red here to go with your glass of red wine. I'm, I'm suitably wow. embarrassed, sir. I'm going to hold my hands up. I'm going to say, sorry, am I really not following you? Because I replied the other week. I know, oh, I know. That's... Uh, so are you going to play the innocent card? Like, oh, really? Am I no, not I'm following not. you? You want to know what it is? That I way. would never follow anybody that supports Arsenal, so you're going to have that great <laughs> look at me. What am I doing what here, Bridget? You're stupid. Look, look at this brown nosing. That's all you're doing, you're uh, brown nosing. <laughs> well, vice versa, please, mate. Give me a follow oh. and then we're, all, then we're even. Come on. No, I, I think it's because he doesn't want to put his ratio out of order. You know, it's, well, if I've got to, got to follow her, 
and I don't follow one back, then that makes my, my, my ratio looking pretty good. Right, here we go. We're just going to sort this issue out right now. <laughs> he'll unfollow you. He'll, he'll block you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At Mark Zuckerberg. You ready? Yeah, well, there we go. That's gold. Bang. Oh. Very oh. nice. Yeah. I actually don't think I follow you on Twitter, so thanks for that, Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Instagram. <laughs> That's a very good set up just to follow up. That's it. You've done well. You've done well. I appreciate it, mate. Um, While we're on a roll with with you two, I I know we want to speak about Premier League. um, And I just, given the fact that it's halftime drinks, it's probably a good opportunity. But let's let's talk about two of your sides um, in, in Fulham and in Leeds, both in pretty good positions, more so Leeds, you know, better than anyone. To, to go up, um, given a traditional end to the season. Um, so I ask you, Bridgie, one, what's this going to mean to, to the club and the city? Uh, the reason why I've got this shirt is because I live with a, a Leeds fan and, and over the last 12 months I've just seen how, <laughs> what an emotional roller coaster it can be at the best of times and at the worst of times. Um, and, then, and then, Schwarzer, from your perspective, you know, Fulham, Fulham very well could do it. And while they've still got those parachute payments from the Premier League. They're financially in a pretty decent position compared to a lot of other clubs, considering they are a destination team. I think Leeds and, and Fulham are the two big ones in the championship at the moment that, that you would want to go to. Really? So, really? I mean, Fulham, I yeah. So. But do you really want to go to Leeds? Let's be honest. Yeah, well, I've, been, I've had a, some, you know, the Weatherspoons in Leeds is really good, good mate, value. So that's probably all country, mate. Yeah, I mean, but it's better it's, value up north. It's better. Yeah, it's slightly listen, cheaper. I, I, I lived around the corner from Leeds, right? And listen, it was great to live there. It was fantastic. But yeah, come on, nothing beats going to Fulham, Craven Cottage, on the, on, on the Thames. It's, yep. it's iconic. It's romantic. Everything about it. It's, it's oldie world. It is. It is. On a, on a, on a, on a night game, it yep. is sensational. See, if, you, yeah, if you've never been... That's You've got to go. You want to go to football with your partner and be romantic, right? I want to go to Elland Road without me missus and I want to just sing me heart out for the boys, all right? So you can have your Fulham, you can have your little river view, you can have your candlelit dinner with your rose. Mm. I'm going in with the diehards, in the, in, with the, in the leads, and we're going to sing Marching On together like we mean it. Uh, let's hope you don't um, fall down like a little balloon. I'm just saying. <laughs> Was the, sorry, Mark, Mark. I love you, mate. But that was one of the all-time worst comebacks. That that was not good. You've. You, I think he's got you. It's. But it's, uh, the, no, difference. it's the difference. No, no, isn't it? oh, a, listen, I was going to be petty, and I was going to say, when was the last time you were in the in the, in the Premier League, and yeah. when was the last time you were in a European Cup final? But I was going to be petty. I, but I'm not going to say those things. Moving on. So, so uh, I mean, again, the floor is yours. Whoever speaks first wins. But, but, uh, Bridgie, I'd love to know how important this would be for Leeds, given the, the position that they're in. Do you know what it is? I'm just going to go back a few years and and say when we were at Leeds United, we had a fantastic team. We had a great group of lads on and off the field. And the fans, we embraced the fans. And then, obviously, we went through that, that world of hurt. Something happened at Leeds United off the park. We don't know who was in charge at the time. Might have been the Ken, Ken Bates and Dennis Wise had been there as well. Something, the players that had been there previously, we were banished. People like Gary Kelly that were club legends. Uh, Lucas Wadebe that had been the club captain and a, a, a fan, a hero of the fans for many years. The lads have been banished. Now, what I will say, Andre has come in. There, we had that mad, crazy Italian guy before. I can't think of his name. That was sacking players left, right, and centre, uh, managers left, right, and centre. Um, Cellini? Cellini, yeah, thank you. And it, 
you know, players weren't even allowed, ex-players weren't allowed back to the, to the stadiums uh, as guests and things like that. There was nothing for the, the, the fans. The to stadium, play. not not their facility to the to the. Yeah, it was very hard for players that had been around that, that era, like your Gary Kelly's mm-hmm. and that, that were wanting to get back involved with the club, your Ian Hart's. And it was basically banished because Danny Mills and people like that, because they felt that the players and the wages had impacted the club financially and things like that. And it, it wasn't. It was, there was things going on behind the scenes. So what I will say, for the, the stadium started becoming shocking behind the scenes. Now, I went back to witness, it was about three years ago. Um, I went back and I was shown around by Paul Bell, the new chief exec. And he was saying, this is where the money's gone this year. We've put it on the the um, facilities for the corporates. So the, all the behind the scenes were done. The new corporate boxes were done. They had Legends Lounge, Nettie Gray and Gary Speed. And they were, they were welcoming players back to do match day hospitality so the fans could actually talk and listen to people. That was a massive tick for me. That was meaning that the club was going in the right direction. And then they were saying the following year they were going to spend the money on the players. And then the following year they were going to put it into a man that they were trying to get hold of. And that was obviously Bielsa and his coaching staff. And so every year they've they've got better and better. And it was just such a relief to speak to some of the lads at the stadium when we went back um, to to meet the fandomings and actually to say, do you know what it is? The club are doing it in the right way now. They're getting the the fan base back. They're getting the sponsor, the corporate hospitality. They've just got to get it right on the field now. And Bielsa's given given them that whole new belief. They came so close last year. That would have affected a lot of the players. What have they done this season? They have gone about it in the same way as they'd finished last season. And they've been absolutely brilliant this year. COVID has impacted that. But I'll tell you what, I've spoke to, um, I was speaking to Liam Cooper and they were just saying they are absolutely buzzing to get back and get in the park because they know with the fitness levels they had previously, the um, the things that have been put in place for them off the field during this COVID situation, that they're going to come back and they are going to be flying. And they wanted to finish the season off in the right manner because they didn't want that asterisk to say it was a kind of token gesture to get back to the Premier League after so many years of hurt. So I think it's a tick-tick all round for what Leeds United off the field and on the field have been doing the last three to four years. Finally. What, what are you going to do, mate? Like, you know, if Leeds get promoted, which they, you know, they look in a very good position to do so, who, who are you going to support? Like, I mean, do, who, does anyone even know who you support? Who is your team? Yeah. Honestly, let's be honest. Who is your team you support? Well, if, you know, I, I've, I'm one of them. I cannot forget teams... <laughs> that I've played for and had moments there that you've shared with players and fans. I've, you know, my family would, would have hated me years ago saying that Sunderland is close to my heart, but they are because I've, I've had five years there. I've had three promotions with them. I always look out for their results. I look out for Leeds' results because I had so many great years there. Carlisle United. I don't look at Bristol City and Hull City because I, I had bad times there. I played for them. I had bad times. Didn't enjoy it. But my team is Tottenham Hotspur, and that was because of one man, Chris Waddle. There you go. Wow, wow. So what's going to happen next season? If Leeds United are playing against Tottenham, who are you going for? Uh, Tottenham at home, Tottenham win. If Leeds are at home, Leeds win. There you go. Sit in the fence. (laughs) (laughs) So you're not really a Spurs fan? Because if you were a Spurs fan, you'd want Spurs to win regardless. No, because we like giving out talking gestures. We don't mind. Charity is always welcome. doesn't matter what industry you are in. (laughs) Uh, It's good to have options, Bridget. Who's who's going out with you then? Oh, go on. Oh, my word. You've got us here. I'm going to, um, do you know what it is? I, I, the, the momentum that they were having before this were Forest. Forest were absolutely flying. 
um, going into this little end of run. But I, I, I think Fulham. Do you reckon Fulham swats it? No, listen. I, I think it. I think it's Leeds, Leeds and West Brom's position. Oh, West Brom and Leeds have gone. There's one more. Yeah. yeah. So, so who's going to win the playoff? Listen, it's all about now. So these remaining nine fixtures for me will determine. Not only will it determine who's in that, who's in those remaining. You know, third to, to sixth. You can't but pick who them. has the, the momentum then to go on and win the playoffs and yeah. win it. It's all about now. Yeah, I don't like like Bridgie's saying. I don't think you can pick it, and I and I think you know it. It could be anyone down to if you look at it, fifty three points even. Like someone like Swansea still could, in theory, get there. Depends on a run. Depends on what happens when they come back. That's what it is. Forrest had a good bit of momentum, but I've, I've been in the playoff situation as you have, Swartzy. It doesn't matter where... The team that normally finishes third are heartbroken. You've, you've, all your energy is sapped out of you. And you've got a team that's come in and just made it into that sixth or fifth spot with a nice little run going into the playoffs. That, I, I hate calling playoff team because I, you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I was fortunate, mate. I was only in the, play, I was only in the uh, championship for one season and we finished second. And went straight back up. So, yeah, I had the perfect mate. That was it. I was in there with we, uh, Nottingham Forest. Won it. We came second. Yeah. One of the we came second on the last day of the season. We beat at home uh, Oxford's Oxford United four one. Got promoted, and we went on for bigger and better things. And that was where we went for like what twelve years in the prem, uh, or ten years in the prem, uh, consistently, uh, continuously. And the very next season, we got promoted. Nottingham Forest went straight back down. There you go. Well, I apologise. Yeah. I thought you'd be in the playoffs. I didn't realise you had such no, a... No, not, not, not a playoff. List. Direct playoff. Direct up, mate. One season. That was my second season. Well, the st- my first full season in English football. Uh, I signed for, for Bradford. Was there for three months. Went to Middlesbrough uh, towards the back end of the season under the old transfer window. And then we got relegated. And then the very next season, we went straight back up. I'm stuck though. Yeah. Go. Well, that's yeah. what's going to be keeping us. I mean, the championship, who, who comes up? And now we know that's resolved. That's such a big deal because that was so up in the air. But back up to the Prem, what is going to be the biggest story that's going to knock our socks off over the next six weeks or so? Is it going to be around the top four? Is it going to be around Liverpool's coronation? Is it going to be around Sheffield United? Is it going to be around a big club, United, Tottenham, Arsenal, who are going to suffer? To you first, uh, uh, Bridgie, um, what is the story that's going to dominate the Premier League's finale? Newcastle United become the wealthiest team in world football. Oh, are you going to change your teams? You're going to go from Spurs <laughs> to Newcastle? No, mate, I, do, you want, do you want to know what it is, I will not change. I'm not, a, I'm not the money gauntlet because I wouldn't be supporting Spurs if I was. We, are, you know, we, we scrape the barrel and the budget and spend it elsewhere um, no I, I think that's going to be a, a massive talking point um, coming towards the end of the season because the, the money that they are talking about with this with this investor they're going to do everything that they can possible to get this deal done and I mean there was even talk that they might even just buy a television company to take over the deal or, or things there's been some mad rumours going around but I just know that Amanda Stavley has been working behind the scenes with so many groups from over that that part of the world to get this deal done uh, and get it over the line, and I, I can see it going through. That they, they, they will not rest until this deal goes through, and that will see. I mean, some of the players they'll be panicking. Some of the players will be embracing it, and the coaching staff will be. Everybody at Newcastle United and the coaching staff will be worried. They because yeah. Steve Bruce, I think Steve Bruce was hung out to dry. The fans didn't. He had to win the fans over at Newcastle. The job that he has done after Rafa Benitez has been 
absolute genius and the way he's embraced the culture up there because he knows it, but he's got players back to coach like Stephen Harper as a goalkeeping coach and got them on board. He's really, really gone behind the scenes and done his homework. And I, I feel for people like him because if it does happen, then they'll want the biggest and best names in the game. And Pochettino is just floating. I can see it. Yeah. Hey, Bridget, I mean, I can I just ask I you from a, a fan's idea. perspective, just from a fan's perspective in the Newcastle situation, uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on Two Sharp Reds about how my experience going up to, to speaking with the fans in Newcastle, the, the, when you ask about their club, the one thing they've got an issue with is Mike Ashley, right? And they feel like they're, they're so against their, their stance and they feel that you know, he doesn't represent the club and the values. Yeah. You throw a bunch of money at the club and do the fans' morals and values go out the window? Or are not there still Mike, some sort of ethics? Not if it's Mike Ashley, no, because he's he's burned too many. No, no pun intended. He's burned too many bridges up there in the in the northeast. He didn't go in and he he, you know, a London culture and mentality is different to a northeast mentality. So, in I mean that in the nicest possible way, he didn't embrace the the culture in the region. When you get rid of a player like mm-hmm. Alan Shearer, who's got a Shearer's bar behind the ground because he's a club legend, and you kind of alienate people like that and turn it into the number nine bar and. You, you don't make Alan Shearer welcome back at a football club. They're the things, again, that you go away from everything that the North East believe in. You respect and value the people that have been there before you if they haven't done anything wrong. And he offsided, uh, you know, some of the decisions bringing in Joe Kinnear and getting Dennis Wise and people in. The North East just fan didn't like what was going on. And, he, you know, he, he spent £40 million on um, Joe Lint- Linton, um, which yeah. obviously he's been swindled with on that one. But the, it doesn't matter how much he throws at that club. There's too many people that he has upset and burnt with his businesses and whatnot. So they're, they're desperate to get things signed over. But how do these new owners represent the Northeast in, in any possible way? Well, they, they don't. And that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter if you're not from the Northeast. But what you've got to do, you've got to come in and you've got to get some form of... You've got to get ideas from what the Northeast culture is and get people involved that understand that to run that for you and advise you and say, listen... Could you embrace this or could you do that and take this on board? If you want to go and get Spanish coaches or you want to go and get the best coaches in the world and bring them in, yeah, but we still need to have a little bit of culture for the players and the youth development and the coaches in the Northeast that are coming through with the talent that we have. There's got to be a happy medium. Now, the fans will embrace it, no doubt, because they'll be seeing the best players in the world, but they still want to know the DNA of Newcastle United and what it stands for in that region because people just pay money and have jobs to go and watch that football club, like we've seen on Netflix with Sunderland. There's not many Leicester have done it. that we can support. Leicester have done it. Leicester have done it with the owners. They've come in. They've embraced it. They've yeah. spoken with the community. They've also brought their own bit of their old, own part of their culture to Leicester. And the local community's embraced it. They've invested heavily in the community, the local community. They've given a lot of money away to charity. Um, they've, they've really been embraced by the supporters. And obviously, success has come along the way. Um, and so it can work. When you don't listen, Swartzy, off the bat, that Leicester have done it unbelievably the way they've both you know bedded together the team I look at Cardiff City um, when the, the guy first took over they're called the Bluebirds for a reason you give them red shirts yeah. you know, yeah, whose advice are you listening to there do you know what I mean um, but sometimes when you've got all this money you think you own the club you can just make decisions left right and centre you don't realise the impact that it will have on your club and the fans Oh, now, since you were asking something else, though, as well, about the, uh, the, the, the track record of the owners that are, yeah, uh, are I, coming in. I guess that that, that, that was the, the lasting flavour for me when, when we went up for, with Optus to Newcastle was, you know, you'd ask, well, what do you think of Mike Ashley? And they would just go, he's this. 
He's that. I don't like the fact he offers, you know, people at Sports Direct zero-hour contracts. And then you go, okay, well, if you're not happy with someone offering a zero-hour contract, but then you are okay with a dictator, you know, is it is it purely down to money? And and you, as soon as that you see a really healthy injection into the club, you all of a sudden go, oh, actually, we don't care because I'm sorry. At the end of the day, realistically, uh, a businessman who's tight on contracts is very different to a dictator in, in every facet. And it just interests me to 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 see what happens to the ethics and mindset of a fan base when they get that option of going. Ooh, yeah, actually, maybe maybe we could be you know best in best in Europe. So do we just turn a blind eye? I guess that was that's my. my you can't opinion. take any anything away from Mike Ashley in a business sense. That man is an absolute no. genius when it comes to getting an empire. But as a Newcastle United fan, and there's a lot of like you say, there's a lot of things that are going on in the northeast that people are behind the scenes working at that club that have seen, and you know they, they, <laughs> there's I can't say too much, but there's things that need to be changed. Put it that way. It's an, interesting, it's an interesting moral dilemma. Probably worth its own discussion outside of a Premier League preview podcast earlier. I hear what you're saying. That yeah. whole sports washing aspect of it is a pretty delicate balance. Um, but, hey, uh, sometimes it can bring joy to a fan base and you have to look at the balance. And I just saw this week that Roman Abramovich went and bought a £120 million painting. So not only is he going to buy a Timo Werner for Chelsea, he's buying. He's got lots of money up his sleeve. So that's very good news for Chelsea supporters. So you see how quickly it turns, Ollie. When you, when you... he bought it off Schwarzer too. I can see the gap in the, the in the middle of his paintings behind him there. What, what yeah, was it, Schwarzer? What, what did he buy? Yeah, it was just a, a finger painting that I made uh, one night <laughs> oh, after yeah. after a couple of bottles of red wine, and, and he and I got together and had a bit of a discussion. I got him a bit tipsy and. We came to an agreement. It was, yeah, amicable both ways. Listen, that's what Chelsea did. You know, they were banned for, what, 12 months from buying a single player. They're a club that turned up a lot of money. They had a lot of money up their sleeve. That's why they're able to go and buy someone like Timo Werner. And who I have to say, 50, what is it, 54 million pounds yeah, or something 55, 55 mil. I, I actually think, okay, you know, you could argue and say in these times, COVID times, it's a little bit steep. I actually still think it's good money, good value for money. I think it's actually very good value for money. What's your take, Schwartz, on there's two sides, but mm-hmm. one being that this is brilliant for uh, Chelsea to go to the next level. It's going to push your Tammy Abrahams. It's going to give Lampard a uh, variety. There's an ele- another element that says, ah, oh, here we go. As soon as the transfer market opened up again for Chelsea, the youth policy went out the window and there's no faith in Abraham. Where do you sit on uh, which side of that argument pursuing Werner is? Well, I, I, don't, I don't see a problem with both of them playing. I mean, Timo Werner likes to play on the left-hand side. So Chelsea play with three players going forward. Generally, the two wingers are more creative kind of players, not as direct as Timo Werner. But Timo Werner, when you watch him play for, for RB Leipzig, when you watch him play for Germany, he tends to always be on the left-hand side. Loves to run up plays, run in the pockets, run off people's shoulders. But he generally starts nine times out of ten on the left-hand side. When he plays at RB Leipzig, he plays with Paulson, who's a big guy, big striker up front. Uh, they've also got Schick, uh, Schick, who's on loan from Roma, big guy. You know, so they can, that works. So I, I actually don't see a problem. I, I can see Timo Werner, Tammy Abraham playing side by side. Remember, you've got Ziyech coming into the fold and then you've got to deal with, okay, him and hudson Adoy on the other side. Giroud on the bench, which we probably assume anyway, but does the fact that now you've got Ziyech coming into it 
Does that change the mould? You can't have four up front, or maybe you can. It sounds like a well, terrible pay- decision for a manager having all them players at your disposal. Yeah, oh, oh, be you know, pay it back. But to be fair, with the, the youth though, you don't want to. You know, they can't let them. You don't want to let Tavi Amraham or Hudson Odoi go. Or, and no, at the same no, token, but- they're too good to go out on loan. Yeah, you've got to give them. You've got to give them breathing space as well. You know, to chuck them in and play every week. You've seen already this season with the Chelsea players that they've had. They've had. They've had peaks and troughs. Tammy Abraham's gone through it. Um, you know, whether it's Hudson. I mean, I think actually, I think Hudson Odoi's been way off the pace. I think he's been nowhere near the. I mean, listen, he's come back from an Achilles tendon uh, tear as well, which is, which is a, a very very serious injury. It does take time to get back to it. Um, he's had off off the field issues as well during during COVID. I mean, you know, Mason Mount has been in, he's been up and down. He was brilliant early on in the season. He 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 plattered out a little bit. He hit a wall, you know. So I think having these more experienced players who have been playing at the top level for for a number of years come in. Zayic is another player who I mean, I was at the game when they played Ajax at at Stamford Bridge. I mean, Zayic was insane. Ajax were insane that day. They tore Chelsea apart. Our Chelsea got a result was based on the fact that, you know, AX had two players sent off. Even with two players sent off, AX still probably should have won the game. So, listen, he's a good player. He's a player that can play. Is he able to play the entire season? Coming from uh, Holland and a team that normally dominates every game when they play domestically, they have a winter break, that's only time's going to tell. Same as Timo Werner. You know, he plays in a team, they have a winter break. It's not the, the, the hustle and bustle of the Premier League. So they're not going to play every single game. They need a big enough squad. They want to compete in Europe. They want to compete for domestic trophies. They have to have a bigger squad. So Timo Werner kind of fits also that new look of Chelsea, still going younger players. They're not going out and buying a big established player. They're buying, you know, Zayic, I think, was a, was a, was a, was a, was a great deal, what they paid for him. I think it was a 30-odd million pounds for him. You know, I think Timo Werner's a very good buy. Um, you maybe add one or two other players that may be slightly more experienced. I don't think Chelsea need any more. Swartzy, in the four years I've worked with you, mate, that's probably the most intriguing, fascinating and best comment you've ever made. <laughs> you've Thank sold, you, mate. Chelsea's new, new um, mold to me, mate. Brilliant. <laughs> but then, as we look at the top four race, or is it top five, given that, well, we're going to probably know by, uh, probably by the resumption of the Champions League, actually, this season, where the Manchester City uh, have won their appeal, which is happening this week. Uh, three massive days for them at the Court of Arbitration for Sport to try and get off that expulsion from the Champions League. Chelsea have to make the Champions League next year after splashing that money and, and seducing Timo Werner to come over. Uh, will they? And how do you see the top four race playing out or the top five race playing out, Shorty? I mean, you know, will they? I mean, that's a, big, that's a really good question. I mean, they're five points clearer Wolves than six. I, I, think, I think Manchester City will be suspended. I mean, all the talk is... You know, they've obviously got a two-year ban currently. The talk is that it'll be reduced to one year. But the, 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 what I was hearing and have been hearing is they'll definitely be banned. Listen, let's wait and see what happens. Um, but I, I, I'd be surprised if they got away of it. Um, got away of it. If, they, that, if the, if the ban was reduced. Spot, by the way. Is that, does, that mean, does that open up another spot for somebody else? Or is that just going to be null and void for English football? Um, well, I think the understanding is they'd still get four places. It just means Manchester City wouldn't get it and go down to the next team, my understanding. Right, is. Right, right, and yeah. then the kind of the Europa League place would go down one slot as yeah. well. So, listen, I mean, you know, of course, Chelsea, uh, Man United, they'll be desperate for that to happen. You know, there's you know, other teams around that area as well. Let's not write off Spurs still. 
uh, Arsenal. Oh, yes, I dude. I mean, no, but you know what? You know, Spurs have all their players back. It's all about momentum now. You know, listen, none of these guys have played for, what, 100 days. Um, it's about who starts the best after this break. We, we've never had this before. It's not like a preseason. It's not like a winter break. Obviously, we don't have a winter break anyway. It's something that no one's ever experienced before. So it comes down to who hits their rhythm the quickest and who's able to get either a bit more of a, of a lead. I mean, you look at Leicester. Before the break happened, Leicester were in a team that looked like they were, they were in a bit of a free fall. Mm. You know, has this been great for them? Will they continue to fall? Has Who been. knows? You know, Eintracht Frankfurt, for example, they were in free fall before the, the break. They've continued it. You know, the teams that tend to have been in that sort of free fall mould, I think it's probably been about 50-50. Werder Bremen were terrible. They were gone. And they came back to the start of the, the, the season again. They went on a really good run of form. You know, how the Berlin's the same. So it's going to be interesting to see who adapts to it the best. I, mean, I think it's helped teams like Everton and Arsenal as well because you've got Ancelotti, we talked about with Dave as well. You've got team, Ancelotti coming in, planning for next season, being able to plan and sit down with the players, obviously on Zooms or whatever, and just educate them in, in different styles that he's trying to bring to the club. Arteta trying to change the culture at Arsenal. I think this has given him a massive mould and bedding in period uh, with the Arsenal and the staff to work out who they're going to keep, where they want to go with it. So, again, I think that's paid dividends for them. Tottenham, massively because of the injuries you've talked about, sportsy players coming back. So, it, it you're trying to put a positive on a negative thing that's happening in world football, but it, it doesn't suit all clubs when, when, when it's happened. But there's a lot of clubs have benefited from this. But you know what it is, though. You, you, know, you know yourself, Richie. You, you only The benefits really only come into place when you do the work on the training field. You know, so all these new, new ideas and directions, yeah, you can talk as much as you like. It's about actually doing it on the football pitch, working, training, going through tactics. They haven't been able to do it up until recently. So, you know, it's who adapts to it the best, who simplifies it, who goes, right, let's just continue what we've been doing. No one wants to change too much probably between now and the restart. And then it's hopefully back to a little bit more normality. The start of the next on the back of that, mate, in the time period that we've had, um, it'd be interesting to see how many of them coaching staff and how many of their managers have had interactions with their players and how many have done it on a regular basis. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is, can you imagine if I've been, I've been the, the player with that football club and we've been away for that long and I might have heard from the manager a couple of times or some of the staff, you, you would lose that kind of love or the relationship with that person. And I, I don't know what's going on in the Premier League, but I know that's been a massive issue in Australia at the moment with what's going on in the A-League, that some of the players haven't felt like they've been wanted or heard from their coaching staff enough in this period during COVID, um, which is not good because that, that breaks the relationships up. You're not going to go out and run through a brick wall for, for them for them coaching staff. And I'm sure it'd be interesting to see what, what's, who's really gone fully on to do the sessions on Zoom. And, we, you know, that's, that's the way we've had to evolve. So what I'm saying, some of the players might not feel as loved as they would have been if they were in the environment. Yeah, but and then in particular as well, what's interesting... Then they've got the self to blame. Then they deserve to go down. Correct. Then they deserve to have a disaster. If, if they, I mean, that's fundamental. That's the basics. That's management. Yeah. You know, and, and listen, you, you've had it. I've had it. The amount of managers, even big-named managers, yeah. have this reputation and actually turn out to be on the contrary. They actually turn out to be disaster at man managers or, yeah. you know, just not interested, wants to avoid it at all costs. And if you don't, you don't toe the line of how they want you, they just get rid of you. There's none of this talking to you, trying to bring you by. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and 
That happens all the time. And, that, and that's what's poor. That's also really poor. Managers actually don't manage a lot of the times. So then if we look to try to find an answer for who's going to come back for the Wolves or not, speaking of the Wolves, um, Europa League, Champions League spots. Who of Brendan Rodgers, Frank Lampard, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Nuno, Chris Wilder, Mikel Arteta, Jose Mourinho, who misses out? Who is going to get into Europe next year? There is going to be a fairy tale or there is going to be a real inquisition. Where do the dominoes fall, guys? Where do the dominoes fall to include us? Um, Arsenal miss out. From everything? Yeah. He's just going to say it anyway, isn't he? He hates <laughs> Arsenal. It's true, though. You look at it. You, you, you know, not spot, spot game, in, game in hand. What, why are you getting a high-pitched voice again? Somebody yeah, keep grabbing your nuts. <laughs> Is it because Bridgie's, because it's Bridgie and you're nervous? Like, oh, Bridgie. No, I think I say it when no. I, I don't want to be able to say it, but I'm trying to make a point. But you look at it, you, okay, you're in ninth spot in Arsenal's perspective. <laughs> they've got a game in hand. But realistically, they've just left it too late. I'd like to know from you, Bridgie, from a Wolverhampton perspective, uh, Nuno Espirito Santo has done a great job. They're in sixth place. You would have thought, especially now that they're going to have an extended break, from their Europa League, uh, you know, during the rest of this season, this is a great opportunity for them to push forward. I prefer the sticky points. Me too, me too. So, in summary, what I was saying was because they're not having to play the Europa League in this final stretch of the Premier League season, I would suggest that Wolverhampton are in the, the driving seat to, to push up for that Europa League spot. Yeah, because it was one of the teams that me and Richard Bayless at Optus Sport had picked out to say would. Would, it would affect their um, league position this season because the you know European football would take it away from them. It, it does affect a lot of teams when they have a first crack in Europe because you've got to go through the rigmarole of your travel arrangements. What do you do? And it's it hasn't impl- impacted them at all. It's it's almost inspired them because he was one of the managers in the previous seasons that made the fewest amount of changes um, to his starting eleven. It was all about you know this is the team, this is what we're going to do. And he's had to adapt and, and evolve as well, his his thought process and who he picks and who he plays. So you've got to credit him for that. He's evolving massively as a coach this season. And I think the 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 rest that they've had is only going to put them in a better position for them going forward to, to get into Europe. No doubt about it. I mean, qualifying again, if not going on to have a really good run in the European Cup as well. So massively, he takes all the boxes from me. I, I really like what he's about. And I never normally credit goalkeepers. And the thing is, you know, you look at their run, right? Um, particularly the first couple of games, West Ham, Bournemouth, Aston Villa. You know, Aston Villa is obviously as a local derby. It's a, it's a big game. Um, I mean, and their, and, their, and their fourth game of the restart is another easy three points. It's, it's at home to Arsenal. So, I mean, that, that's not an issue. Um, you know, I, I, I think it'll be pretty, pretty certain that, that, you know, they'll, they'll... I mean, they've got Sheffield United away, Everton at home, Burnley... You know, out of all the teams, last game of the season, they got Chelsea away. I mean, that could be a defining moment. That, that could actually be the, the game that determines if they even finish in the Champions League. I actually think out of all the teams above them, that they've got one of the better runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think at a bare minimum, they're going to finish Europa League. Um, and the question is, who finishes, you know, in those Champions League positions? You, you, I mean, I think, I think Leicester have done enough. I, I, I think they've just got enough. They've got enough points in the bag. Um, and I think they've got enough with the games that they've got left. I think they've got enough games um, 
and enough points of a gap between them and 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 let's say let's say fifth place. Let's say it's Manchester United on forty-five points. It's eight points. See, uh, I have Leicester dropping out. I had Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Man United. That yeah, was, that was my top four. But obviously, you've got that that spot with the City group. But I I had Leicester falling out of it. Yeah, the thing is, it depends on Manchester United, right? So obviously, you know, obviously, you know, you you've you've got uh, Paul Pogba coming back. That's that that's a that's an interesting one. Did you read Holly, on... Holly Good Solskjaer's quote, Swartzy, about the bad apple? Oh no, I didn't see that one. About the classic, he said, I'm, "I'm I'm learning a lot in management." And he said, "When you've got one bag of apple in my shopping trolley, that's going to affect all the other fruits and veg that's in my um, basket." And I do not want to be. I don't want that bad apple ruining and rotten to the core in the culture. It's interesting. It's interesting that it's taken him this long to actually say that or realize it. Or maybe he realized it from day one, but then thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a go and I'm going to try and turn this guy and, and make him, in, you know, try and get him on board. That well, was probably obviously the remit. The first time during COVID, and he did actually have a rotten apple in his basket. I might be reading the wrong headlines. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I mean, the thing is with, with, with Manchester United, Bruno Fernandes has been unbelievable. Yeah. So it's whether or not he continues that run. I mean, single handedly. And, and, and this is the thing, right? So. This has always been my argument. People talk about Paul Pogba being this world-class player. Bruno, uh, Bruno Fernandes has shown that he's a world-class player because he's coming into that Manchester United team and actually turned them into a, a good team. Yeah, got them he, he has lifted them to another level. Yeah. And he's done that almost single-handedly, whereas Paul Pogba has never been able to do that. He's only been about himself. So it's whether or not that combination, whether or not obviously Solskjaer brings him in, whether or not that combination of, uh, uh, of Fernandes and Pogba, if that worked, obviously Rashford being back is a big plus for them as well. That's going, to be, that's going to be also fascinating to see when the restart happens. Ferguson would never have had a Pogba in his squad because there was no, no player. He, he always said no player is bigger than Manchester United. The thing that I look at Manchester United at the moment is that they need a Paul Pogba figure financially or commercially for his followers and what he does on social That's media. It's killed the club. It's killed the team. It's no, killed the team. Exactly. It's so this is where, again, where, what do they stand for again? Is, is yeah, but if Ferguson was still there, Pogba would never would have come back. He would have never even come back. They, wouldn't, yeah. they would have just gone, no, that's not happening. So, so yeah. you know, and, and, and that's the thing. It's interesting, you know, like someone like Sir Alex Ferguson who's had such an influence at the club, was, was in, heavily involved in appointment of David Moyes and recommendations of various managers throughout time. And on one of these decisions, they, they've, they've just completely, obviously gone against what he would have said, his recommendations. Now, Mark, I've just had a look at your a glass of wine and it's coming to the end and that's when I know we've been going for a while. So unfortunately... I, I, here well, I've floor, refilled. I've refilled. Yeah, okay. Ah, oh, right. Well, that's okay then. But here I, I, the, uh, I've got nothing left in the bottle. Look at Bridgie, Bridgie has driven me to drink quite a bit tonight. <laughs> I've enjoyed it. How good. Well, I've enjoyed the, the, I mean, the inception of the four sharp Gagan pod. So hopefully we don't have to wait just as long for the next time around. Um, but this is where we, we, we cross back over. And, an excuse to do it. Exactly right. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, but this, this is the time of the show, uh, just as we end off, where we, we will resort back to the, the structure and traditions. Um, I think tradition is the right word, Schwartzy, of two sharp reds, where we compare the wine that we've been drinking to a player past or present. Um, I mean, would you like to go first? Would you like me to go first? How, you, no, how are you feeling? I'd, I'd love to go first. I, I'd really love okay, to go, go first. In, go you know, in front of our guests, obviously, you know, it's new to them. Um, not yeah, that they haven't heard luck. it before, of course, because they listen to every episode. That's obvious. Yeah, all the um, way through too. 
Of course, right yeah. from the start, from yeah to the finish. Right, so the I'm drinking yeah. a red orchard just to remind everyone a Merlot. It's a Spanish wine. I've loved my Spanish wine, of course, and and it's breaking tradition normally because I normally drink the Spanish one when I'm in Spain, um, but this one it was a gift, and I've really really enjoyed it. It's youthful. It's balanced. It's easy. Goes brilliantly with pizza, pasta. I'm, I'm so, having that. It's brilliant. And food, obviously. Um, and, and it kind of it reminded me straight away of someone. And this guy, you know, when I was at uh, this club, he, he was a young player coming through, hadn't quite broken into the team um, when I first arrived. It was the next season. He broke into the team. He was in and out, played a handful of games. And then it wasn't until after I left, he's become a, 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 a sort of a, a stalwart in the side. And now has been heavily, heavily linked Again, not for the first time, again, for Chelsea, a move to Chelsea in the summer. Um, you know, easygoing guy, balanced, useful guy, listened, uh, good guy. And I think he'll have a very, very good... I mean, he's playing for England already. But a very, very good career ahead of him uh, on top of what he's already accomplished. He's already got a Premier League winning his medal. And it's uh, Ben Chilwell. Mm. I didn't say well, coming. Did you go well with pizza? Well, you know what? When, when Claudio Ranieri was there, he took us after we had our first clean sheet, he took us to have pizza. So pizza, we did pizza making and everything else. Ben was there as well. And I know he lo- likes his pizza like all of us do, of course. Um, but you know what? He said that the whole easygoing, balanced, youthfulness, and it just sort like of kind it. of fit the bill. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, I'll, I'll run through mine. I'm drinking a beautiful 2017 Val Pacella. I think I've got better at that, Bridgie, as the, the series of the episodes going on. Hello. <laughs> uh, well, I've got a bit Val Pacella on mine, so I don't know. Maybe this is the Ooh, girl version. It could be a different yeah. version. You've got some girls. It's, 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 it's his sister. It's his sister. There you go. It's exactly right, the sister. There's one sentence in particular, and it's the one that sums it up perfectly. It says here, it's an elegant and real, well-rounded wine a with a warming way. spice at the finish. So an elegant player with a spicy finish. Ooh, I mean, uh, here we go. It'll in, be an in, Arsenal in, player again. No, <laughs> interpret spicy finish what you will. Uh, but for me, it, it, it could have been a number of players, but I'm going for more sort of both your generation, I'd say. So not an Arsenal player either. I'm going oh, wow. for L- Lagod, Mr. Matt Letizia. I think he oh, was oh. a very, very elegant player. But by golly, when he struck that ball, there was some serious spice to it. It was entertaining. It was unpredictable, but it was great. And but also did, equally and, elegant. And he did. He, so he would. He would like to have a mould between the two because he loved pizzas. He could never get it <laughs> correct. <laughs> so he would, like, he would like a bottle of both, would Matt. That's exactly right. Well, guys, I really appreciate your time uh, here on the Four Sharp Gagan Pods. Ridiculous name, but I like it. Uh, make sure you, if you're listening to this on the Two Sharp Reds. Uh, channel, make sure you, of course, subscribe and listen to Gagan Pod and vice versa. Yes, it was an absolute pleasure. Uh, Mark, get to bed and Bridgie and Dave, enjoy your day in sunny Sydney. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. It's been great to, to merge the two together, have a chat. And I never thought I would um, enjoy sitting this long chatting to Mark Swarter. Ollie, obviously, you're completely different, mate, now that we're followers, Given. friends on Instagram and Twitter. It's fantastic. Yep. But, Mark, I've really enjoyed it. Dave Wiener, it was a different, um, a different what do we say, um, ambience. And yeah, I think you enjoyed it because you didn't have to listen to my crap for the whole entire time. So um, I'm sure Dave's up for it again. But thank you very much. Really enjoyed it to all the listeners. Take care. And, um, Dave Wiener, over to you. Next time we'll be on the wines, guys. And you'll be on the long blacks. But 
It was terrific. Yeah. It was a nice way to just get back into football, coming back. And uh, it was great to merge both. And I can't believe it, but the next gag and pod will be after two live Premier League games on Thursday morning. And for you guys, you'll be able to bring us into next week as well. So to everyone out there, I've, I've said for 12 weeks, I haven't said enjoy your football. It's all how I normally end. And next week, we're this close to being able to do it again. So thanks, everyone. It was good fun. Cheers. See you, guys. Cheers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.